Hello, and welcome to the Baby Brain Podcast. I am so excited. Uh, today, we have Emma Nadler, and just we're going to talk about a lot of things, including Emma's new book. Um, but first, just right out of the gates, welcome, Emma. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. <laughs> so um, can you share just a little bit about the work that you do in the mental health field? Who are you and what are you passionate about? I am a psychotherapist. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, and I have a private practice for adults that's focused on relationships, assertiveness, perinatal mental health, including postpartum adjustment and life transitions. I really enjoy working with parents and people whose lives have veered from their unexpected path. Yeah. What drew you to psychotherapy? My mom is a therapist um, and my aunt as well. So it's kind of a family thing. And I I love I love a good conversation. I, I love talking with people. I really, I think it's it's just never boring work. It's always new because each person is different and, and every person is bringing exactly who they are. And I love discovering that. And I also think that um, it's probably also appeals to me because of my own, um, I'm going to, I'm going to start that over again. Um, and it also appeals to me because of my own rich inner world. Yeah. Wonderful. That's great. And so you, you expanded on, on that work and you, you, wrote a book. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what is the book and what drew you to, um, to writing that book? My memoir is called The Unlikely Village of Eden. It comes out on April 25th, and it is a funny and hopeful memoir about learning to adapt and accept when life doesn't go to plan. It's about redefining community, and it's about creating your own imperfect path. Yeah. You know, I, um, I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but from, from what I have read about it, it sounds like there's, um, a very specific moment that you, that you discuss in the book about a phone call that you received from your daughter's doctor. And that was the moment that you knew that your life was changed. I was wondering if you could share, um, one for me, because I would love to hear it from you after, um, reading about it, but just for those that are listening, tell us a little bit more about how your life changed that day. I was on vacation with my family in Palm Springs, California, which I do recommend, um, <laughs> especially right now. Yes. Um, and my daughter, Eden, was seven months old. She had had some significant feeding challenges. So it was kind of a vacation, but it was more like I'm in a room with her trying to get her to take a bottle for most of the vacation kind of a thing and like do this like breastfeeding bottle formula combination of uh, circus and um and so we knew that there was something there was something that was that was a challenge here for her and um she wasn't meeting her developmental milestones and and so we had uh, before we had left for the vacation we had um done some some testing some genetic testing for her and then we got a phone call um, it was one of those phone calls where there's a real before and after in life. Uh, it was like one of those moments where 
Like I know exactly where I was sitting um, in this sort of rundown Airbnb um, and like a brocade bedspread. And, um, and, and, and I got this call from a neurologist saying that uh, Eden had a large genetic deletion. So she was missing DNA and they didn't know much more than that. And in fact, a lot of um, how that would play out was very unknown and, and still to this day remains in many ways an unfolding experience. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, it sounds like, yeah, as you say, unfolding, it sounds like things are changing um, day to day and it seems unpredictable. And then thinking about the work that you do, I'm I'm just curious, how do you take that personal experience and then the work that you do and, and bring those together to support other people who are, um, I don't know, either they're currently experiencing um, something similar or they're preparing themselves in whatever way they can for, um, yeah, for parenting a medically complex child. Yeah, I thought I was empathetic before. I mean, I had already been a therapist for for a number of years. I've been doing this work for 15 years. And so I, I thought, you know, I'm really empathetic like when I started, but I think that this experience has really deepened my my understanding for other people and what we can go through as humans and what grief feels like. And I think it's made me certainly a more attuned therapist um, and very, very willing to acknowledge, like, I don't have the answers. I want to walk alongside the people I work with and um, the people in my life. So it's, it's really, I think it's deepened. It's been the best um, and hardest um, CEUs I've ever gotten. Uh, and, uh, and I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as a training program. Uh, but this is the training program that I got. And I think we all have as therapists, we're people. So we all have our own life training programs and things that help us learn, you know, what it's like to be alive and, and what we can do to help other people. Yeah, absolutely. That's so well said. Um, what are some of the, the misconceptions that you found in, in doing this work? And then, um, yeah. Um, also then just experiencing on a personal level, what are some of the, um, yeah, misconceptions about, um, a medically complex child? One is that we're somehow stronger than other people. I get a lot of, I don't know how you could do this. I could never do this. And, and I usually just say, well, I think you, you could, I mean, you'd have to. And, and, and I think that's, that comes from this very well-meaning place of, wow, like I see the work that you do and I think it's meant to honor, but I think in a way it's kind of distancing because I think that truthfully um, parents who have children with medical challenges or disabilities are just people who thought that probably wouldn't happen to them. Right. Yeah. Um, and so now we're doing it. And uh, and and I think another misconception is that we all know what we're doing. Mm. We're learning on the job, just like any other parent. This is definitely on the job training. And and so I think that's something that sometimes people can uh, misunderstand. Um, and and I think the other piece that comes up a lot is is the, the perception that we don't have room for friends. Mm. Um, 
or that we don't have room for our friends' problems. And I really encountered this early on where people wouldn't want to share with me what was going on for them because they would say things like, well, you have so much going on. You have so much on your plate. And I know that that was, again, an effort to respect and to acknowledge what I was going through. But I think that in a way that's also distancing because I wanted to be their friend because I want them to trust me that I could set the boundaries that I needed and that, you know, I could regulate that for myself, but that I wanted to be a part of their, their life. And I want to be a friend that can be there for them too. Um, Especially because I think when you have a child who has disabilities or medical challenges, this is a long haul and we really need our friends. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I I hadn't thought about that, but I've certainly heard those kinds of things being said, right? Um, I don't know how you could do it, or I didn't want, I don't want to bother you. Um, I've heard those, I've heard those things in my own, in my own life experiences. Um, and I never had a, it never sat well. Um, and I never had the words for it. I really appreciate you because it is, it is distancing and gosh, it's when you need communication and connection the most, um, is, you know, when you are in something that I know for me with, with my children, I can't necessarily have this, you know, insightful, honest adult conversation with them. Like that's not my role with them. I can't put that on them. And so, gosh, I just need my people. Um, and I want them to, I want to be able to provide for them what they're providing back for me. Um, and that mutual relationship. So I thank you for, yeah, for putting words for that. I think that's, that's wonderful. Um, you know, kind of thinking about that and misconceptions, um, obstacles, I'm sure there's a lot and there's probably some misconce- <laughs> um, uh, misconceptions around those obstacles, but what are some that um, maybe people don't necessarily anticipate or anything like that? If you can just elaborate on that. Yeah, the obstacles, there are many obstacles. And the thing that came up most as I reflected on this, or as I'm reflecting on this right now is, is isolation. And I think that's the biggest obstacle for anyone or one of the biggest obstacles of our time is, is isolation, loneliness, disconnection, especially, you know, in this moment we've we're in now after the height of the pandemic and the way that that's changed social systems. And so I think anyone has to work pretty hard to be connected and to have good relationships. And I think that when you are a caregiver, you have to work even harder to do that. And and I think what I know is that when we go through difficult things, I think we can face almost anything if we're not alone. So I think just getting more connected, um, reaching out and having others reach out I think that reciprocity, um, but I think as as a caregiver, not being afraid to ask for help. I mean, there's so many things I can talk about in terms of what to do about these things. But I think if we're just focusing on what are the challenges, I would say um, finding your people. So even, for example, with providers, um, especially when you get a new diagnosis for a baby or a child, it takes a while to find who are your people. And there's going to be a recalibration. Yeah. 
So there's going to be a need to vet some providers like doctors and even maybe therapists to see who gets this, who has the perspective that that resonates with mine, who are the people I feel like lift me up or or understand me and I to them. That can also happen with friendships as well. So I think um I think that's a big piece of it. I think exhaustion is another major component here and I hope that that parents will ask for help from each other, from any people that are willing to help them get some more rest or sleep, including other family members, if possible. And that isn't always possible. Many people don't have family members that are that can um, or will provide um, some respite uh, for sleep. So th- there may need to be some creativity there around trading or shifts with partners. There's a lot of things you can do with that. Um, and of course, there's grief and there's the loss of the life that you thought you were going to have and that your child or baby was going to have. And then the reality of what the new life can be. So there's going to be a real adjustment period that doesn't last forever, okay. um, but it will be an adjustment to the expectations of what did you think your life was going to be and what is it now? And, and then I think, I hope it's like, well, what is possible? Like what, what is possible too? Um, and, and so, so those are some of the pieces that I can think about. The other one is financial. Um, and because being a caregiver limits a person's ability to work, it, 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 there's clearly also the medical related costs that can be absolutely staggering. And I would really encourage people to reach out for resources, regardless of income. There are many programs that can support parents like you. Um, there's help me grow for young children with developmental delays. Um, there's, there's help me grow for young children with developmental delays there. And that's a birth through three program. That's free in the state of Minnesota that goes through the school district. So you can find that online. And there's a a lot of other resources like preschools that your child might be able to qualify for and other County and state programs. And you can call the front door of your County to get, more information on what's available depending on your baby or child specific needs. That's great. And I'm I'm curious, how did you find these resources for your um for yourself? You know, was it something that you found through um providers that you worked with? Like how um yeah, how how did you get lucky enough to know what resources were available to you? Um I think part of this is brought to you by the internet. Um, I do think that that was uh, Google. I I really try not to do like Doctor Google, and and I I've really tried to not look up the medical components because I think um, and and people have different ranges of that, and and I'm not I I understand that um, for some people um, they want to know everything, but I think that can get that can get really hard. I have certain sites I go to that I feel like, okay, these are the sites that I would like to look at and vet information. But then I, you know, I, I think the internet can get tricky for people with grief because we sometimes look for answers that to problems that can't be solved. Um, so, but, but anyway, getting back to the internet, I, I think, um, I looked up a lot of things. 
I'm pretty relentless in my pursuit of information in terms of, I didn't feel like people really told me. Um, and, and I think that I'm not alone in this. I think um, I, I kind of had to keep asking and looking and trying things. And, um, and I think there are organizations, depending on your child's specific needs that you can, um, I would try to connect with other parents who have children with, with your baby's condition or disability. I think other parents can be an incredible resource and can lead you to so many places. Yeah. That's wonderful. You know, one of the things that really um, stuck out for me as you were saying that is the amount of self-reflection that I think is involved um, and knowing yourself and being able to say, you know what, this is, I have boundaries for myself to be able to stay on a healthy track throughout this journey. And that involves not doing X, Y, and Z. And for some people, it might be like, this is how I'm going to, um, find my information as a way, as a protective measure. And so it sounds like really, as you're learning new things, learning what resources, another thing that you need to learn is how do you process information and how do you want to receive information? Um, which I think is, yeah, is just a great skill as a human to have in in general. Yes. Um, And I, I like what you're bringing up here, Lindsay. And I think that, um, I think about healthy on a continuum, I don't think about like, are we making healthy or unhealthy choices? Because I think that sets up a binary and it can be really shaming. So I think about healthy-ish because I certainly wouldn't call every coping mechanism that I've employed on this journey healthy, you know, um, in every moment. And I think that's just because, you know, I'm a person and, and it's just very difficult sometimes. And so, but I think thinking about it more on that continuum and thinking about um, how to do it less in a less isolated way. Those are pieces that I think brought me towards health and healing. Yeah. That's wonderful. Cause it, I mean, it's, it's what feels quote unquote healthy for you. Cause I mean, health is ultimately a social construct, right? Like <laughs> It's so really yeah, yeah, right. And I think, and I think one thing I learned about that I really, really like to use in my practice is about containment. Because mm. I think that when you get a diagnosis, a serious medical diagnosis for your child, then there's so much, there's so much to wade through. There's so much grief and loss and pain. And and I'm also not saying that that um there can be also a lot of other things about the experience, right? You can, you can learn so much, you can, um, you can be more inclusive in your life. You can expand the definition of what, um, I'm just, let's take this part out. Um, so when let's go to this. Um, so when you get a diagnosis as a parent, um, for a medical condition for your child, there is a, there is, there can be a lot of grief. And and so, and that can swallow you up. That Mm. can take over every aspect of your life if you let it. And for me, what I learned about was containment and how do I sometimes tuck this away and how do I stay in my other roles in my life? And I think containment 
and working with containment can be really relieving because it's a chance to also sometimes catch a break. Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful way of sharing that. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I'm yeah. curious, um, when you think about like your own personal journey, like what drew you to, to writing this book? Because there's so much here and there's so much to value to be had for people who are experiencing something similar um, or for people who, gosh, maybe they're the ones that are saying, I don't know how you do it. And they could really benefit from reading this book and getting some perspective on how to support um, people in their family. Um, so I'm just curious, like, what what did that look like? Like, how did how did that um, that process evolve in terms of writing the book? I'm a firm believer in the creative process, and I've been a writer for a long time. I wrote some plays when I was younger and and have been writing essays throughout my adult life and just love, I, I find writing to be so therapeutic and, and mindful in its own way and, um, and just a real balm. So, so I, I was writing already and, and then when I wanted and needed it most, this book did not exist for me. I, I wanted this book. I wanted a book that was a little irreverent, a little bit funny, a little bit of holding, more than a little bit of holding the hard and heavy things. I wanted something that was more inclusive in terms of religion. I'm Jewish and this book is, it is a Jewish book. It's it's a book that will be for anyone who, um, maybe wonders about a spiritual life. It, it You certainly don't need to be Jewish to resonate with the themes in this book in any way. Um, but it is a departure from some of the other books that are out there that are really more heavily um, oriented in Christianity, which I respect very much, but that's not my own perspective. And I didn't feel like I always resonated with those messages that things maybe were preordained or meant to be. That didn't feel like my experience. I really wanted something that was about questioning and, and also that was really vulnerable. So, so I wrote the book because I wanted the book. And, and so I really hope that it lands with readers for anyone that feels like, they thought life would be one way and then it wasn't. You don't have to be a parent to appreciate this book. You don't have to have a child with a medical condition. That's that's a small population. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you know someone or if you yourself have gone through something unexpected, I think that you'll resonate with the themes. Wonderful. Yeah, it it, it sounds like it's, you mentioned something about um, inclusivity and bringing that, um, that can be, uh, one of the results, like bringing inclusivity into your life um, when going through this journey, it sounds like that's also something that this book can give people is just opening um, opening up their minds and um, yeah, allowing for a little bit more inclusivity and just understanding and maybe reflecting on their own life through your story. And I'm, I'm very excited to read it for a wide variety of reasons. And so there is a- um, Thank you. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm- Am I right that um, there is going to be a um, a book launch, right, coming up um, later this month? Um, is it? It's April twenty eighth. Is that correct? Yes, it is April twenty eighth, um, Friday, April twenty eighth, 
at 7 p.m. at the bookstore Majors and Quinn in Uptown Minneapolis. And it is free, but you can pre-register through the Majors and Quinn website or through my own website, which is emmanadler.com. Um, and I would absolutely love to see you there. I know sometimes people think that showing up doesn't matter, but it really matters. And I think if you took anything from this book, it's that it really matters that we can show up for each other and that life is better when we do. Yeah. I would also love to share a few more resources if Indeed. that's if that's oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay. That would be great. wonderful. Okay, great. Because I, I can imagine that there might be some people listening that that either, you know, have a child or a baby with a medical new medical diagnosis or or not new, or you know someone and you might want to forward this podcast to them and and just show your support of them by sharing this with them. And I really want to um, first of all, recommend checking out Dr. Pauline Boss's work on ambiguous loss. Mm-hmm. And ambiguous loss is, it's a loss that likely will not have closure or that there's not some kind of understanding about. So that, that and, and you can check out ambiguousloss.com. There's, she has many books as well. And that provides a roadmap for healing. So that would be great for therapists or for people who are going through this themselves. Uh, PPSM, uh, Postpartum Support Minnesota. Um, Of course, there's many great resources on the PPSM website. That's ppsupportmn.org. And you can access therapists and and different resources, so many different resources on that website. And I think PPSM does an amazing job of connecting people to feel less alone. Also PSI, which is Postpartum Support International, uh, they have online support groups and they have specifically a birth through four group for parents with with, um, kids with medical challenges. And so that is an online group. So easy to access. I think for many caregivers, it's really hard to show up somewhere, but you can show up on your computer um, and that can be really helpful. So um, I would definitely check it. That's postpartum.net. So check out all their resources there. There's a lot in our community for you to be less alone. And I really hope that you will. Um, Therapists can guide their clients to this. And if you have this experience yourself, you could, there's so much to access. And I hope that you will keep asking people for help. Um, Keep offering help. If you know someone who has something like this going on and you don't have to say, what can I do? I actually really want you to say something specific that you could do for them. Can I do, I'm at the grocery store. Can I pick up some groceries for you? Um, let me know what you want. Otherwise, I will grab some things for you that I think you might enjoy. Um, like be as specific as you can in your requests. So whether you're asking for help or giving help, I think that being really specific can help people feel less alone. I think the thing that I always caution against is saying, let me know what I can do. Yeah. Because that's that's a hard that's a hard one. That's a lot for someone to wade through. So I, I think as being as specific as possible is something I also really wanted to mention. And I know that's not easy, um, but 
I think it could be really worthwhile. And it would certainly increase statistically your chances of being able to help someone or be helped. Yeah. No, I, that's such an, that's such an important thing. I, I, I think about the way in which sometimes we'll say, hi, how are you? And we don't actually want to hear the answer of how someone is. Um, and it's the same thing. It can be just like a blanket statement. Um, let me know what I can do. Um, yeah. and gosh, when you're posed with such an open-ended question like that, that's, there's, there's so many different feelings that you can have towards it. And that can just be a lot to, um, yeah, to wade through in one question. And I think also one thing I found is that the more specific you are when, um, offering up, it also allows you to then be your most helpful. Cause you know, I actually am on Friday at 4 PM going to go to the co-op and I can get whatever you need. And I have a 30 minute window. And so versus saying, you know, um, let me know whatever I can do when someone is actually able to answer and gosh, it's something that's not within your abilities. Um, and then that can close, um, close the door versus, um, open one up for being helpful and, and receiving help. So that's, that's such a great, that's such a great, um, not easy. I shouldn't say easy, but it is, um, it is a thing that we can do to adapt the way that we communicate with one another to create more community. Um, yeah. so thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, Lindsay. And I think the more specific we can be in what we want and what we can offer in our relationships in general, I think the greater the chances that we can really get each other and connect. So I think that this could, this could apply in a lot of different ways, um, for relationships. And, um, the one thing I always, I also like to mention when thinking about these topics is um, the one other thing I want to mention is if you are a friend or, or an ally or even a provider to someone who has a child with a medical ongoing medical challenge, it's okay that it's hard you don't have to fix it and and in fact i think people's attempts to to try to fix it or to try to make light of it or to say things like at least you know there's a lot of at leasting that goes on at least they're still alive or at least this or that and and it's all with these great intentions but as a friend or as a therapist or or as anyone you don't have to take that pain away and and it's not your job and you can sit with them. And when you sit with them and the people that affected my life the most were the people that are willing to sit with me when it's hard and to just say, yeah, this is really, this is hard mm-hmm. and, and I'm here. And so you don't have to minimize it or take it away or, or anything. And, and maybe that's a relief in a way to not have to do that. You can just be with them. Just know that it's hard. And, you know, there are a lot of things that are hard, but that's why we need each other. So, um, so I, I think I, I always like to mention that as well, because I think that we live in this culture in the United States where there's, there can be this desire for things to be happy and great all the time. And, and I think that's not really the full, um, that's not the full experience of being alive. So, so I always like to do a little shout out for letting things be difficult sometimes. And again, even though it's hard to do that and and sometimes uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, uh, that that's, that's so well put. I mean, we have to honor authenticity, right? And um, the authenticity of life. And I think that is another reason why reaching out for those who are experiencing something similar or um, uh, friends, family, or, or as you mentioned, provider, knowing those local resources, you're already with people who are comfortable sitting with it um, and being in it. And so finding that community in um, it, it can help inform so many other areas of your life when you're with um, like-minded individuals who are experiencing things or they're uh, trained and passionate about helping people through those. So um, I'll make sure that um, ambiguous loss, PSI and PPSM, that those links are um, available in the show notes. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. Um, and so again, um, the, um, the book signing, uh, the book, um, so the, uh, the book launch, um, for the unlikely village of Eden Friday, April 28th at 7 PM. I do need to put a shout out out that don't get there 6 45 or 7 PM, make a whole evening of it because that is the best bookstore in, um, all of twin cities and, um, definitely bring an extra bag or just buy one of their really cute totes, um, to be pretty clear. <laughs> They're pretty fabulous, but I, oh man, I love their, their staff picks. So enjoy, um, a whole Friday night at, um, Miggers and Quinn in uptown, um, and show up. I think, um, I really like that message of, of showing up matters. So, um, if, um, you can go ahead and you can also, um, get connected, um, with, um, through your website, correct. And then yes. also, are you on Instagram? I am. I am on Instagram at Emma Nadler writes and it's E M M A N A D L E R writes. Wonderful. So I'll make sure that, um, your website as well as, um, your Instagram is, um, posted in the show notes. Thank you so much. Lindsay, yeah, I really appreciate your approach and your enthusiasm and your just the way that you're showing up in this interview. I'm really I'm really enjoying this time with you. And um, thank you for your support and for everything that you're doing for new parents in our community. This is something that we really need. Thank you. Back at you. <laughs> this is going to, um, I really needed today. So thank you. Thank you for hey, this. me too. Me too. <laughs> All right. Take care. See you soon. Okay. Sounds great. Bye.